We welcome Nigel Manjis from the Baptist Union here this morning, just before you come um, to, to give God's word. Let me uh, read two, verses, uh, two passages from the Bible. Isaiah 40 is the first one. Uh, we're talking about the service today see I'm doing a new thing Isaiah 40 beginning at verse 28 do you not know have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God the creator of the ends of the earth he will not grow tired nor weary and his understanding no one can fathom he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And the second passage is Isaiah 43, a few pages on. Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honour me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen. The people I formed myself, that they may proclaim my praise. Amen. Let me just pray for Nigel as he comes up. Lord God, I pray for your servant Nigel. Pray you'll bless him, bless his word to us. May we have open ears to listen to what you have to say to us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Nigel. Good morning, everyone. It's lovely to see you this morning. I bring you greetings from the north part of our association, uh, which I, I live up near the Minehead sort of direction of uh, the area. It's good to be down here and share with you this morning. Um, just uh, for those of you who've got no idea who I am, I'm Nigel. And, uh, I've, um, I'm the Regional Minister for Ministry for the Southwest Baptist Association, which, of course, you uh, belong, and it's a privilege that we, I can come and share with you this day. Uh, I was a minister first in Cambridge for a number of years before going to a place called Dromfield. You've probably never heard of it. Uh, I was there for 11 years before being called into a city centre, multicultural church in the centre of Sheffield. Uh, give you an idea how multicultural it was. We had 46 different nationalities in the church. We had 11 interpreters of 11 different languages uh, available for those who came into the church. And uh, we, you mentioned in the prayers, uh, Myanmar, well, we had a, a Karen group come to the church and we set up a Karen fellowship, which grew to about 130 strong. Uh, and it was a privilege to not only be a part of them, but listen to their story of the persecution they experienced. They had to flee to the Thai camps and then came over in mass to uh, this country. Um, uh, and from there, I was uh, wanting God to do a new thing in my life. And uh, after 13 years, we felt really called, my wife and I, to go to the northeast. <laughs> and we end up in the southwest. Uh, that's, that's the way that God works. Um, but before I go any further, can I um, 
Can I just ask you, would it be all right to take a photograph of all, all of you lot? You're just a friendly crew, even though you've got your masks on. Would that be okay? We'd just like to put something on our website, uh, just as an illustration, so that people around the association could be praying for you. Would that be okay? If, um, I, I'll, I'll do a couple of photographs, if I, if I may. One, one as you are, and also, because I can't see you smiling, if you could wave, uh, that'll be great as well. Just, I'll just get a... Oh, well, that's a, that's a great, great idea as well. If you want to take your mask off for a second and smile. There we are. That's great. Thank you very much. Thank you. I was at a church um, uh, a few weeks ago, and I, uh, and I was uh, invited to preach, and a, a passage came to my heart, and it was Isaiah 40, and I preached on that passage. And I never realized I'd never preached on that passage ever before. And I felt really in my heart, this is a passage not just for that church, but for you as well. But more than that, that's, this is only just an introduction to what I need to tell you today about God doing a new thing. I don't know about you. I don't know how many of you at the beginning of this year, uh, in, when you make all those resolutions, you promised to do a new thing. And then you didn't tell anyone about it because you didn't want to be held to account. You know the ones? Yeah, those promises, oh, I'll keep it to myself. And people can't accuse me of breaking a promise. Um, and, and quite often, you get to this time, we're getting to the end of the month, and all those promises would have been broken. Uh, but then you look into it, and uh, you look at the churches, and wonder how many of the churches have done something anew. For the past two years, everything seems to have been put on hold we don't know uh, if we'll be allowed to do anything. So, so often things are not uh, planned. And uh, because they're not planned, they say, well, let's just not do anything at all. And yet God tells us time and time again that he is the God of new beginnings, as we have heard in our reading. And you as a church have been forced into a new beginning at the retirement of Charles. A minister who has served you well and long, and you will be asking, what next? We'll come to that in a minute. But for many of you, I know that the problem is, you really don't want to ask that question, what next? Because the question on your lips is one step further back, is when will we get back to normal? Or if we're realistically... It's not even that. We've dropped one of those words. It'll be, will we ever get back to normal? I was meant to be last week on a, a national conference uh, over at Hailey. Uh, had to be uh, put online. Uh, when it was planned, we thought it was going to be uh, a time was going to be normal. I was meant to be an ecumenical retreat tonight. That's had to be postponed. Uh, we're meant to have our minister's conference uh, tomorrow for the next three days in a very nice hotel in North Devon. That's not happening because when we planned it, we thought everything would be back to normal and we're having to do it online. And if I'm honest, I wasn't sure whether I would have to record this service for you because when asked, I just saw the, the rates going up and even now the rates are still going up in the southwest. You can imagine also, however, the Israelites in our, from our reading also uh, wondered whether ever th anything would ever get back to normal. Would they ever return to Jerusalem? And if they did, would anything ever get back to what it used to be like? For you see, in our Old Testament readings tonight, Isaiah is speaking to the Hebrew people just at a particularly bad and desperate time. It's the 6th century B.C., 
They've been invaded. The temple in Jerusalem has been destroyed. They have been forcibly removed from their homes and they've been exiled as captives to Babylon. Following all this, they were asking all the questions. Where is our powerful God? We thought God was faithful to his people. Where do we find hope in the exile? How do we move on from the exile? Is there life after the exile? And then you get to the pandemic. And please, it is still going on. My, my wife is a nurse. She heads up the nursing at a hospice. Uh, they've had to close the hospice to any new patients because of members of staff with covid And if people want to be shocked, 72 nursing homes last week in Somerset alone were closed because of COVID. 72, not taking any admissions. Um, But we might be still in this time asking these questions. Where is the all-powerful God? Is not God faithful? Where do we find hope in the pandemic? How do we move on beyond this? Is there life after this pandemic? You see, now the prophet Isaiah is trying to convince them to return to Jerusalem and to build the temple and the city again. He says the time of exile is over, come back home. But their faith in the power of God has been waning over a period of years. And they're not convinced that God was probably in control anymore. And so Isaiah had to remind them once again. And he uses those words that the first reading began with. And they're great words. Do you not know... Have you not heard? And you can imagine the people listening, wanting what comes next. What is he going to say? And like a good prophet, he actually in that passage earlier on as well, draws them back to that defines their identity. And and they know the story. They know all about Abraham and the covenant that God had with him. They know about the birth of Israel in Egypt, about Moses and the burning bush and how God used Moses to set the people free. They knew that they fell short of God's expectation in the wilderness and they were forced to wander for 40 years. They knew that God in his grace and love gave them manna and quail to live by. They knew that how God uh, also led them by a pillar of smoke by day and a pillar of fire by night. But they had to be reminded. You know, God, they knew that God enabled them to enter the promised land. They knew how they had rejected God's kingship and uh, in wanting to demand a human king. They knew how human kings led and failed them. They knew how they rejected uh, God's prophets and how they decided to have alliances with uh, all the uh, pagan nations around. And they knew that that's the reason why they were being exiled. They knew this. They just had to be reminded. In all that... uh, you as a church and as churches up and down the land and as people have had to endure in the last 20 months, perhaps we too need to be reminded, reminded of a sovereign God. They need to be reminded that Israel had suffered before, that suffering was not the end, that God redeemed them. Their life seemed hopeless. It, it seemed that they would never be able to do anything, but that was not the truth. You see, the problem was that these people in exile were relying on their own strength. And if they did that, they would be slaves forever. And we too could easily be distracted from the work that God is calling us to, to do that new thing, if we simply rely on our own strength. 
It's, to, it's very easy to be distracted by a pandemic. It's easy to be distracted by a pastoral vacancy. Are you feeling discouraged? Are you feeling uncertain of the future? Are you unsure what a new minister might look like or what the church might look like in nine months? Or are you just simply worn out with life? Have we forgotten the awesomeness and the sovereignty of God? If you're living in that uncertainty and uh, living to the obstacles of COVID, unable to imagine what God is looking like, God wants to speak to you today. If you're feeling hopeless or tired or powerless or alone or even angry that you've done everything by the book and yet there's those who found time to break the rules, And yes, we can look at 10 Downing Street, but where I sat in my office for the biggest part of a year, I could see everyone on the estate breaking the rules. Or have we forgotten what life was like before the pandemic? What it was like to go to church without a mask, to to go to work without a mask? My, my, uh, one of my volunteer roles, I do a, a number of things in my spare time, not as if I have very much spare time. Um, But one of the roles I do is I volunteer to be an on-call chaplain at the local hospice. And uh, once upon a time, I used to get a phone call. I'll go in and I'll pray with the person or give them a biblical reading, whatever was needed, and then go home or go back to work. Not now. I'm lateral flowed every day. I have to have a PCR once a month just in case I get called in. And if I get called in, I have to take a spare set of clothes because the clothes that I'm wearing to see the person, I can't wear out of the hospice. I have to then get changed and the clothes that I've been wearing have got to go straight into the wash. Hey, that's, that's my new life if I get called in. What was it like before the pandemic? But in and through, we are called to remember, did you not know, have you not heard? All things are possible. And the great thing about the Isaiah 40 reading is that God gives strength to the weary. And Isaiah reminds them, increases the power of the weak. What amazing words. Even youths grow tired and weary. Young men stumble and fall. But those whose hope in the new thing, in the Lord, well, they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. There are many who've uh, uh, compared this time of the, uh, uh, of, uh, the Israelites' uh, exile to this time in history. And yet God still speaks. It's amazing how those words can easily be applied. Uh, was it eight centuries on? They're still relevant for us today. And Paul also wants to remind us in Romans 8 and from verse 38, he reminds us about the importance of a God who is in control, the God who is still there, a God who is still worthy of worship. When he says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels or demons, and he wants to really emphasize this to the uh, Christians at Rome, he thought about it and thought, neither the present nor the future, uh, what else? Nor any powers, what else? Neither hell height or depth nor anything else in all creation will separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus that is the truth for us today and there is still a work that still needs to be done and these are difficult times there and sometimes they may be needing to be done in a different way and I think God has used his time for many churches to prune and to re-evaluate what we've been doing Maybe it's good to stop and say, 
You know, what is the primary focus of your ministry as a church? What should you be doing? Not what you have been doing, but what is God calling you to do? Maybe you do less better. What is God saying to you today? Because when you get to that Isaiah 43 reading, uh, there is that, uh, there's this new word. It's a Hebrew word that appears that says a new thing. It's used by Isaiah four times, in Isaiah 42, 43, 48, and 65. A new thing that refers to something you've never heard of or have never planned before. It's unprecedented. It's unparalleled. Simply uh, to say it would be the first of its kind. What is God asking you to do that is the first of its kind? What is new in your life? I think it was uh, Charles Wesley said the new thing refers to such things that have never been done in history. A new thing, a new work of God. A new work of God that starts, and when that starts, all the old glories will disappear. A new thing will surpass all the former things. And my friends, as you look for a new minister, can I plead with you, please just not simply look for a minister that might be a nice fit. Someone, oh yeah, they'll be a nice fit. God is challenging you to find, uh, to call someone who is going to challenge you into a new thing. I remember when I went to Cemetery Road Baptist Church in Sheffield, I followed Chris Ellis, who became principal at Spur, uh, Bristol Baptist College. And, uh, and when they called me, I, I turned them down twice, um, and they kept persevering. And in the end, uh, I, I preached with a view and I said, look, I said, if I get called, I'll come. I got called and I went. And I, and I had to tell them uh, from the very beginning, I'm not a Chris Ellis. I do things very differently. And one of the different, different things for a start was that Chris Ellis used to allow deacons meetings go, to go on to 11.30 at night. I said, that's not going to happen. 10 o'clock, I'm home. It'll never be done. It was. Church meetings, 9 o'clock, home. It worked. It's fine. But every time I got reminded Chris wouldn't have done, I just reminded them, I am not Chris. I am a different person called to do a new thing with the fellowship. And uh, you see, when a new thing comes, old things will disappear. You're not looking for a child's clone. You're looking for someone that God has called to serve you and guide you into a new thing. You see, when new things come, all things will disappear. They will lose their prominence. They will lose their pride. They will lose their glory and their radiance. The old will be gone. You see, you can't live in the past glories forever. God's words are fresh every morning. New compassions, new mercy, new grace, a new life, new opportunities. Just look at Lamentations 3. Even the cells of our body rejuvenate each day. My friends, give room for God to work a new thing into your life. I think it's a real blessing that today three people have been, come up here for, uh, and shared with them what God is doing new in their lives that you might consider for them, for leadership. And the important thing is if you're going to allow God to do new things in your life is don't give him your plans. He'll just laugh at you. Don't give him your programs to be approved by him. Give him a blank page and say, God, what are you going to do in me? Allow God to write his plans and his purposes and his destiny for you. Come with complete surrender, for God will bring changes that you would never, ever expect. And your future course of life will never be the same. 
for he will change your life and your existence will become meaningful and purposeful, useful to not only to you, to God and to others. For when you surrender your life back to God, God leads. He offers that free pardon, justification. He offers you that new life. He will change you. What is God saying to you today about your change? What are you going to be doing that is new? What, what is God challenging you about your commitment? What have you been putting off? Maybe God is speaking in your heart about doing something. No, no, this is not the right time. Maybe God's been challenging you about baptism. Maybe it's a challenging you to come into faith with him in a relationship with him. Maybe it's a challenge to a church membership and what all that that might mean. It might be a challenge to come into church leadership. You might be thinking, oh, I'll just wait for the right time. There is never a right time other than the present. What is God asking of you today? What is he challenging you so that you may retain and regain the identity to be a child of God? Because the trauma the Israelites had experienced as a result of the exile, it was, it was understandable they, they actually suffered from an identity crisis. But God is the one who is in control with all power over the earth. He is the sovereign God. And although the Israelites might have, may have believed in the sovereignty of God to a point, it only seemed to go so far. And for many years, because they were living in exile, it seemed to fade away. I wonder whether there's a danger the sovereignty of God is fading away or do we revive it as like the refiner's fire that we can come back to God and acknowledge him for who he is that we can say together those words from Isaiah 43 see I am about to do a new thing now it springs forth do you perceive it are you open to what God is saying seems that everyone has an opinion on this coronavirus, what we should do and not do in response of it. Some of us uh, reacted in fear, some with frustration, some in a desire to just go back to the old ways. But as God spoke to the people of Israel, and as he speaks to us, I don't think he ever believed that he wants us to go back to the old ways, because God is doing a new thing, and he's calling us to embrace faithfully, to live in that new thing for him. Because when we do that, that's when hope comes into focus. That's when things start to become exciting. When the Israelites went back and rebuilt the temple, that wasn't the end of it. The new thing happened when God eventually sent his son. And we've been, we celebrate only uh, what, five weeks ago uh, the birth of the, our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, God wants to come. He wants to use us, that the Lord may use us and be a part of the ministry that we have, that the, we can be aware of the resurrection is the new thing that God is doing. We need to be reminded that God's church is us, the holy nation, God's special possession, that we might declare the praises of him that have called us out of darkness into a marvellous light. My friends, in a world that is hurting, dazed, confused, a world that has been challenged in itself, where in the past two years, more people have gone online to see, uh, uh, to explore faith and explore churches than we've ever seen before. 
they need to hear the story of a God who is doing a new thing. For a God who died for us, died for those who are yet to believe. For this is not the end, but only the beginning. Let us embrace those words of Isaiah and offer back to God our vulnerability so we can then experience the power and the grace of a God who wants to raise us up on eagle's wings. Only then, when we're willing to admit that we're the ones not into control, that we can get the answers that, yes, we have grown tired and weary, but Lord, we want to find hope in the new thing that you have for us. May this hope be your hope, my hope, the hope of this fellowship, and the hope of this community, and the hope of this world. Praise God. Amen. Let me pray. Father God, I want to thank you for this fellowship, and I want to thank you for the ministry that they have had for many years. And Lord, we just want to thank you for the ministry uh, that they've had under Charles's own leadership and ministry. Uh, that has built a wonderful foundation for the future. But Lord, uh, on foundations you build. You just don't simply lay another foundation. And when you build on that foundation, you build a new thing. And I pray, Lord, as uh, this fellowship seeks to go forward in your purposes, as they open themselves up to uh, a new ministry and a new way, I pray that you will very clearly guide them into the ways of, that you have for them. That they will be able to lay before you a blank sheet and say, Lord, what do you want us to do? And that by your spirit, you will challenge them. Sometimes, Lord, when we're challenged to do new things, it's, uh, it's uncomfortable. And it's not always what we expect. But it's still right of you. Lord, just as a, the example when I felt called to go to the northeast and end up in the southwest, Lord. It was uncomfortable. It wasn't what I wanted to do, but it is what you wanted. And I just pray, Lord, that this fellowship will be led in your ways so that they can proclaim your glory and your, your blessing amongst those around them. I pray, Lord, that they will indeed be able to take those words of Isaiah uh, and, and make them their own. That they can also take those words of of Paul writing to the, the church at, uh, at Rome, that they can experience you, that for they can be also convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate them from the love of God. Lord, meet, guide, and be with his people, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen.